0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. Would you open your Bible tonight to the book of John? I wanted to uh, talk tonight, just a little Bible study uh, about your outreach because I know you, you have, uh, you're right in the middle of your outreach. I know Pastor said some things about how you can get involved uh, with outreach. And listen, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that every one of you will get involved. I'm hoping that every one of you will take—is it three challenges, Pastor? The three. I'm hoping that every one of you will take do one of all three, one of each one of those challenges. And be a part of the outreach. Even some of you teens that are brand new, listen, you can get involved. Just jump in and see what God can do. It's an amazing thing. Uh, And there's great examples in the Bible of outreach. I know Pastor just spoke uh, about the woman at the well in John chapter four. And so we're not gonna talk about that, but I, I do want you to look at John chapter one. One of the greatest chapters in the Bible about reaching out is John chapter one. Matter of fact, the entire book of John, did you, did you know this? The entire book of John is one big gospel tract. Did you know that? The entire book of John, the book of John was written so that people would know who Jesus is. And once they know who Jesus is, they would trust him as their savior. See, there's two steps. Number one, you've got to know who Jesus is. Do you know who Jesus is? He's the son of God. Okay, he's the perfect spotless, sinless, son of God, who died, who was buried and rose again. That's what John teaches. So we've got to know, number one, who is Jesus? And then if we know who Jesus is, what do we do with him? Well, we believe on him. We trust him as our savior. So that's the twofold purpose of the book of John, that we would know who Jesus is and then we would trust him. So the book of John is one big gospel tract for us to know more about Jesus and how to trust him. So John chapter 1 is part of that story. So look at John chapter 1 and verse number, and I want you to keep your Bible open. And so do you guys have a Bible back here, you guys here? Let's let's share it, Robert. Let's get them a Bible. I want you guys to see these verses if you can. That'd be great. Okay, so John chapter 1, and I want you to look at verse number. This, This is when you know you're old, right? Look at this. Okay, that's where it's at right now. I got to get longer arms or better glasses, one of the two. Um, uh, John chapter 1, and look at verse 35. John chapter 1 and verse 35. The Bible says, again, the next day. The next day after John stood and two of his disciples. Okay, stop for a moment. We're going to come back to this verse here in a moment. So, the next day. When you read your Bible, pay attention when the Bible says, hey, next week or next day or uh, after this. Pay attention to time terms in the Bible and pay attention to directions in the Bible. So sometimes the Bible says Jesus went this way or he went down from Jerusalem or he went over against this place or he left at this time. Pay attention because the Bible, that's important. So when the Bible says the next day, What, what, what's that the next day from in John chapter one? What happened the day before? Okay. The day before, here's what happened. Now don't miss this. John the Baptist. Now if I said John the Baptist, do you know who I'm talking about? John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. Okay. He was the cousin. They didn't grow up together, but they were cousins. John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. And John the Baptist began his public ministry when he was 30 years of age. 30 years old, he started. Six months before Jesus started preaching, John started preaching. So John was first. And that was all in the Bible. Because God said John would be the forerunner of Jesus. Okay, He would be the one that would announce that Jesus is coming. Kind of like in in olden days, they'd bring those guys out with the trumpets. And the king is coming. That was John. He came to prepare the way of the Lord, to announce that Jesus was coming. So when John began to preach, here's what happened. People began to follow John. So John went to a wilderness spot out in the middle of nowhere And people began to hear about his messages. They began to hear, wow, this guy preaches with power. This guy has the Spirit of God upon him. And this guy's kind of different, but he speaks the truth. And so people began to come from Jerusalem. People began to come from Galilee. People began to come from all the populated areas. Hey, listen, even Roman soldiers were coming. It was an amazing thing. And they began to hear John preach. And you know what John preached? John said, listen, I want to tell you about somebody you've never met. I want to tell you about somebody you've never met, okay? He is the Lamb of God, and he will take away the sin of the world. I want to preach about, well, he was so popular, and his message was so popular that there was a delegation from Jerusalem that was sent to John to ask him, are are you the Messiah? I mean, you're so popular, and so many people are coming to hear you preach. Are you the Messiah? And John had to say, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not the Messiah. I'm just one that talks about Messiah. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. No, I'm not Messiah, but I'm here to point to him. So what did John do? John pointed to Jesus. John pointed to Jesus. And then one day, Jesus showed up. I mean, just one day, Jesus. John's baptizing by the river, and one day, Jesus just shows up. And Jesus interrupts the service and says, John, I need you to baptize me. And John says, oh, no, no, you need to baptize me. Jesus said, no, no, you need to baptize me as an example. And so what did John do? He baptized Jesus, baptized him. And what happened at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit of God in the form of a dove came down and sat upon the head of Jesus. And the Bible says that a voice came from heaven. And the voice that came from heaven was the voice of God the Father. And that voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son. So what happened? You had the Holy Trinity. You had God the Father. You had God the Son. And you had God the Holy Spirit right there. And the people saw that. This is the Son of God. Can you imagine that? Well, something very strange happened. After Jesus was baptized, he left John and he went into the wilderness. Now, Dennis, you've been there pastor's been to Israel with me. And the the Judean wilderness. Now you think about wilderness. You think about lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Okay. Right. That's what you think about. Woods and jungle. But that wasn't the wilderness that Jesus went into. He went into a barren, dry, desert-like wilderness. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he was there. And guess what happened? He was tempted of the devil the entire time. Matter of fact, at the end of those 40 days, we read about the three big temptations that Jesus faced. I mean, it was a very difficult time for Jesus where he was tempted, but he never sinned. Well, after 40 days, Jesus is coming out. Now, picture it now. He's not eaten a bite of food, he's not had a drop of water, he's been in the wilderness for 40 days, and the devil's has been pounding him for 40 days. Jesus comes out of the wilderness. He started his public ministry, but nobody's following him yet. He didn't have one disciple. Not one person is following Jesus. Jesus comes out of the wilderness, and he walks by John again. He walks by John the Baptist and all the people that are gathered. John's popular. He's got a lot of people following him. And here's what John does. He sees Jesus now again, and here's what John does. Ready for this? Here's what John does. He points at him. He points at Jesus and says, behold, you know what that means? Hey, everyone, stop, look, stop, look, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, that was a mouthful. You know what John was saying? John was saying, there's the Savior. John, there's the Messiah. There's God, the Son. There's the answer for your sins. There's the embodiment of salvation. There is everything you need right there. There's Jesus. John pointed at him. And the Bible says that when John pointed at him, you got your Bible open? Look at John 1. Look at verse number 35. Again, the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples and looked upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. See that? That's where we are. It's 40 days after temptation. He's come out. There he is, guys. There's the Messiah. There's the Lamb of God. Now, what happens? Verse 37. Don't miss it. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now, I want to give you four thoughts tonight uh, to help us with outreach. Okay, for the next few weeks, Moses Lake Baptist Church has a, this mindset, hey, we're going to reach our community. The next few weeks, you, you've got this mindset, hey, listen, we're going to reach some lost loved ones. We're going to reach some people at the restaurants. We're going to reach some people in our neighborhood. Hey, we're going to reach some people over the next few weeks. We're going to reach some people. Okay, How do we do that? Okay, I think number one, let's look at the example of John in John chapter one, and let's learn how to point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus. Now, if you're going to point people to Jesus, there are two things you're going to have to do. Okay, If you're going to point people to Jesus, two things you're going to have to do. Number one, you're going to have to have humility. You're going to have to have humility. You know why? Because when I point to somebody else as the answer to a problem, then that means that I'm not the answer. He is. It's not about me. It's about him. Can I just say this too? The next few weeks are not about Moses Lake Baptist Church. That's hard sometimes for churches to understand that. Because we love our church, and we ought to love our church. And I want people to be part of Moses Lake Baptist Church. I just, have, I just believe that everyone in this town ought to be a member of this church. Amen? Yeah. But listen, at the end of the day, it's not about promoting Moses Lake Baptist Church. At the end of the day, it's not about even having people join Moses Lake or being part of this group. Hey, the the big picture over the next few weeks needs to be we're pointing people to Jesus. That's the important thing. We've got to keep that in mind because many times ministries get competitive. You know what I love about tomorrow? What I love about tomorrow is here is a good and godly pastor of a Christian Missionary Alliance Church who said, you're having a youth rally? Sure, you can use our building. I love that. I love when Christians can say there's a bigger cause and the bigger cause is promoting Jesus Christ. Okay, what does that take? Humility. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of pastors... A lot of churches that I've been to are not places of humility. They're places of competition. They're places where, say, I want people in my church, but not yours. No, we ought to all have the same mindset that we want people to follow Jesus Christ, even if that means they leave my church. Because what happens here is John points at Jesus, said, there's Jesus, and two of John's best disciples left him and started following Jesus, Jesus. And John wasn't upset about that. He was happy. So if you're going to point people to Jesus, it's going to take humility. You're going to have to believe in what he can do more than what you can do. It takes humility. You know why some people will never talk about Jesus? They're not humble. They're afraid of what people are going to think. I don't want to talk about Jesus. People are going to think I'm a Jesus freak. I don't want to tell people about Jesus. People are going to think I'm religious. what you're saying is you're not humble. What you're saying is your reputation is more important than their salvation. You know what that is? That's pride. And to point people to Jesus takes humility. But can I say this, number two? To point people to Jesus takes clarity, okay? It's not enough to say, hey, here's Jesus. You've got to tell people, especially in our society, you've got to tell people who Jesus is. Ask the average person on the street, who's Jesus? Oh, they'll tell you something. They might even say, well, he's in the Bible, he's the son of God, or he's a prophet. But do people really know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? The virgin-born son of God who died upon the cross for their sins, who was buried, who rose again the third day. Do people really know that he is their only hope for salvation? Can I tell you this? Most people don't. You know, a recent survey was conducted in which 52% of professing Christians said, you know, there are other ways to heaven other than Jesus. Those are professing Christians. Can I tell you tonight that there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And if you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's your pressing need. And so what does John do? In John chapter one, he gives humility. Hey, it's not about me, it's about him. And he gives clarity. This is what's important about Jesus. He is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, okay? So I'd say, number one, in this outreach season, at Moses like Baptist Church, number one, point people to Jesus, just like John the Baptist. It's not about us, it's about him, okay? Watch this, number two. You have your Bible open. Look at John chapter 1 again, this time down to verse 37. Okay, look at it. John 1 and verse 37. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Got the picture? So here's John. Jesus walks by. John says, there he is. There he is. And two of John's church members, to put in today's vernacular, follow Jesus. They leave John's church. Got it? Who are those two? Well, we know one of their names. One guy's name is Andrew, okay? What's his name? Talk to me. Andrew, okay? The other one probably is John. Now, we don't know that for sure, but but I think that's probably true. But one thing we know for sure is the first one's name was Andrew. So Andrew and this other disciple, they're following Jesus. And watch what they do in verse 38. Then Jesus turned and saw them, and said unto them, what seek you? What, what are you guys looking for? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? We want to go where you're going. We want to we go where you stand tonight. And uh, he saith unto them, come and see. Jesus invited them. Uh, he, him that cometh, he, he that cometh to Christ, he will in no wise cast out. They have an interest. They want to know more about Jesus. Come on, come on, come and see. And the Bible says in verse 39, they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. It'd be about four o'clock in the afternoon. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Okay, so one of the two guys, his name was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now look at verse 41. Everyone look at verse 41. This is what I don't want you to miss. Look at verse 41. The Bible says, he, that's Andrew, he first findeth his own brother, Simon. And he saith unto him, Uh, Verse 41, he saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. In other words, whatever Jesus said, whatever that conversation was, whatever they went and saw on that day, convinced Andrew that it was not only what John pointed at, It was not only what John declared, but now Andrew has personalized his faith in the Messiah. He believes with all of his heart that this Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And as soon as he knows it, he wants to tell someone else about it. Okay? So I know you heard heard this uh, on Sunday at John 4, but this is a different angle. Okay? So I said, number one tonight, point people to Jesus. That takes humility and clarity, okay? Number two, reach your circle first. Reach your circle first. You know, when you throw a rock into the lake, throw a rock into the pond, how do the ripples come out? They come out from the epicenter. They come out from the splash point outward. That's the way your salvation experience ought to work. When you make a splash in this world, with your new testimony for Jesus Christ, it ought to ripple from that splash point out. And listen, I'm all for reaching out to unsaved people, and you ought to do that. I'm all for reaching out to to strangers, and you ought to do that. I'm all for the community outreaches that you're doing, and I think you ought to follow the direction and vision of your pastor. But listen, you better not do those things to the exclusion of the people that are within arm's length of you. And Christianity that is real is Christianity is going to be real at home first. And boy, when Andrew got it, the very first concern he had was for the people that were closest to him. Let me tell you a story. I was in Philadelphia preaching about a month ago. I was uh, preaching for a church planter. Matter of fact, he reminds me a lot of your pastor about 10 years ago. Tremendous zeal, tremendous heart for his own home area. Just like Pastor came Moses Lake, this this young man went to Philadelphia. That was his home area. He went to a very rough neighborhood. This is like two, three years ago. Started a church. I'm talking about a rough, rough neighborhood. Pastor Skelly, would you come preach for me? Sure, I'd love to. I went. I was I was shocked. They had 95 people there that night. It's amazing amazing special Friday night service 95 people a bunch of people had come been invited pastor just preach the gospel I'll do that I got up I preached the gospel at night I noticed one African American man about halfway back on the aisle and he was just glued he was glued to everything I said I mean I preach and I look back he's looking at me the whole time it's like wow this guy's really into it I thought he was one of the church members. He was very respectful, very attentive. I thought, for sure, this is one of the church members. Well, that night, I gave a simple gospel uh, invitation. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you're unsure about where you're going to go when you die, hey, here's how to trust Christ. Here's how to be saved. And I'll tell you what, we had about six people that night raise their hand, trust Jesus Christ as Savior. It was a wonderful night, wonderful Here's what I said. I said, if you trusted Jesus as your Savior tonight, I want you to come talk to me afterward. Just come talk to me. Tell me that you got saved. Well, after the service was over, I had a line of people that had trusted Christ as Savior to wait and to talk to me. The very first person in line was this African-American gentleman. His name was Basim. I thought Basim, that's, not a, 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 that's an unusual name. Well, I found out it's, a, it's an Arabic name, and, and he's, he was Muslim, Basim. I thought that's unusual. I wonder who invited him to church. And Basim came, and he said, Pastor Scott, let me, let me tell you a story. He said, I was at my house on Wednesday. This is Friday. I was at my house on Wednesday, and my life is a mess and I made a decision I was going to commit suicide. Take my own life. I called my sister and told her, sis, I'm going to commit suicide today. She tried to talk me out of it. I said, you can't talk me out of it. I'm done. My life's a wreck. There's no hope of committing suicide. Before I committed suicide, I prayed one last time. I said, if there's a Christian God, if you're real, then show yourself to me because I'm going to commit suicide. I went to the door. I opened the door. And on my door, after I prayed that very prayer, was a flyer. And in the front of that flyer, he's talking to me now. He said, was your picture. was your picture. And I looked at your picture. And the Lord said this to my heart. God said, he didn't say the Lord. He said God. God said this to my heart. God said, this man in this picture is gonna tell you about me. Go hear this man. He will tell you about me. And I looked at that picture and the flyer said, Friday night. He said, I have been praying from Wednesday night until tonight because God told me that you would tell me about him. I said to him, I said, well, who invited you? Nobody. I got that flyer. Well, who do you know in this room? Nobody. I walked to this place, I sat on that seat, and I didn't take my eyes off of you. Every single word you said tonight was from God to me, everything. And when you prayed, I prayed with you, and I trusted Jesus Christ. I've got a picture on my phone. It gives me goosebumps just to look at it. I trusted Christ as I me. Mean, got baptized that very next Sunday. Amazing, perceived, but listen, the story's not over. Hey, somebody pointed to Christ. Somebody made a difference. Somebody said, hey, I'm going to follow the direction of my pastor who's blitzing this area, putting flyers on these doors to reach this community. Hey, somebody obeyed God by following the directive of their pastor, and that guy got saved. But the story's not over. He's telling me the story, and the person right behind him is bawling. This woman, she's bawling. Now, I knew that she was a member of the church, because she was part of the worship team. I'd seen her working. I knew she was, but she's bawling. I'm wondering, did she get saved? And I said, what's wrong? She said, I'm the one that put the flyer in his door. I'm the one that put the flyer in his door. Well, listen, next to this woman was an older woman, and she had her arm around the woman. I said, who's this? She said, this is my mother. I invited her tonight, and she got saved. That's the point. That's John 1. But one point in Christ. Hey, let's leave the fire. Let's make a difference. And here's this woman. She brought the one on her inner circle. Hey, I'm saved. I want my family to be saved. Who is it in your family right now that's not saved? Do you have a brother? Do you have a mom? Do you have a sister? Do you have a cousin? Don't you understand that without Christ, there's no hope. There's no hope for them. But you know, you've got the answer. God, give us a great burden again to reach the people in our lives that do not know Jesus Christ. Hey, some people point to Christ. other people reach your circle for Christ. Watch this, number three. You have your Bible open. Look at John chapter one and verse number forty two. And he, Andrew, brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't come say, My name is Simon Peter. Jesus said, I know who you are. By the way, everybody you bring to Jesus, Jesus already knows who they are. And Jesus already knows what he can do with their life. He said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is being, by interpretation, a stone. And so uh, Peter now is saved. So you got Andrew and and maybe John with him, and and now Peter, they're pointing to Christ. They're reaching their circle for Christ, but now watch the third way that someone comes to Christ in John 1. Look at verse number 43, the day following. So you got this day pointing, the next day reaching the circle, the next day, boy, this is a soul-winning marathon, isn't it? They're reaching people every single day. One day they're pointing, one day they're bringing, the next day, this is going to happen. Look at it. The next day, verse uh, verse number 43, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee. Okay, travel day, travel day. So they're they're down by Bethabara, which is down south, is a good day's journey, more than a day's journey up to Galilee. So Jesus, okay, it's time to go back home. Got to go back up to Cana, back up to Nazareth. Got to go back home. Been gone for a while, right? So I'm going to leave. It's a travel day. Now, a travel day, everyone gets a travel day. A travel. That's not a work day. it's a travel day. That's not a ministry day. It's a travel day. You know, today for me was a travel day. I got up this morning early, I drove down to Richmond Airport, got there at 6am, waited for my, or 7am, waited for my flight, flew to Denver, waited for a while, flew to Spokane, waited for a pastor to pick me up, got a coffee, got another coffee, got a third coffee, got a coffee on the way to church, came to church, okay, it's a travel day, it's a travel day. You know what I've learned? I've learned some of the best opportunities in life are unplanned opportunities, Listen to me. Some of the best opportunities for the gospel are unplanned opportunities. Okay? You know the greatest revival that ever took place in the book of Acts? The greatest revival where the most people got saved, what was it? Not Pentecost. Not Pentecost. No, you know the bigger meeting was the next chapter, two chapters later. You know what happened then? Peter and John, watch this, they were on their way to a place of prayer. They're on their way. They left their home, and they're going to pray. That's a good thing to do. They're traveling. On their way in, they pass a beggar. We pass beggars all the time. On the street corners, you know, cardboard signs, need a little bit of money, need some food, whatever, right? They're passing a beggar, and the beggar's asking for money. And Peter says, hey, we don't have any money. That's how we know that they were Baptist preachers because they had no money, right? We have no money. But I'll tell you what we have, the power of God. So in the name of Jesus Christ, take up that bed and walk. And guess what happened? That guy was healed. And because that guy was at that place every day, the same place, and everybody knew him, when they saw him walking and leaping and praising God, everyone was like, what? What? Hey, come on. You guys, come on. Come on. You guys. And thousands of people came. The Bible says that 5,000 people. Man, I was excited about 270 tomorrow. 5,000 people got saved. You know why? Because they accommodated, they accommodated the gospel at a time when it was unplanned. Point to Jesus. That's important. Reach your circle. That's important. But watch this. Accommodate your opportunities. What do I mean by that? Accommodate. That means always have an awareness. Always have an awareness because God's going to put people in your path that you don't expect. Yeah. He's going to put people on your journey. It's like, I wasn't planning to be on a blitz night tonight. I wasn't planning to go do an outreach tonight. This is not an organized soul winning time for my church, but I'm going to tell you something what a great opportunity for the gospel. I'm gonna, those are the best opportunities. You know what they are? Divine appointments. Watch how Jesus does it here. Verse number 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into into Galilee and find his Philip. Boy, he's on his trip, he's on a journey, but boy, he's got this guy, Philip, that he reaches and saith unto him, Follow me. And Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So Philip was traveling too. He wasn't from the area. He was in the same place where Andrew and Peter were from. And Jesus was like, hey, listen, I'm going this way. Why don't you come with us? Why don't you follow me too? And so Philip travels with Jesus. And along the way, Philip believes on Jesus. And along the way, Philip gets saved. Why? All because somebody accommodated the gospel. I was uh, talking to my good friend Mark. I don't know if I told you this story. I don't think I've ever told you this story. My good friend Mark is a missionary to Germany for 20 years. He learned the German language. He preached in German, had a large family, did a good job. Didn't have a large church because it's tough to build a church in Germany, but he had a solid church. He had a real burden because back in the 1990s and the early 2000s, they began to send refugees from Iraq and Iran to Europe by the thousands. And they'd send them to where my friend was a pastor in Nuremberg, Germany. And they'd send them to these, these I don't know how to describe them, these tenement houses that were just you, the worst. You think about the worst projects you can think of. And this would be 10 times worse than that. People were living in little rooms half the size of this platform. Whole families. It was poor, and these people had nothing. They're fleeing Iraq, and they're fleeing Iran during all the unrest under Saddam Hussein and after Saddam Hussein. All of that. And my, my buddy is there, and he has a burden for these people. He didn't know how to speak Farsi. He didn't know how to speak Arabic. He can always speak German and English, but he has a burden for these people. And so he goes to these places, and they're dangerous. And he's trying to learn a little bit of Arabic, a little bit of Farsi, and he's knocking on these doors, and nobody will listen to him. Nobody. And his German church is getting smaller and smaller. They're going through a tough season, and he's not reaching any of these Muslims. No, 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 he's listening. And my friend, who's one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard in my life, one of the most godly men I've ever met, my friend was there with with, with another friend of mine knocking on doors and he turned to my other friend and he said this, he said, I quit. He's never said that before and he's never said afterward, I quit, I'm done. I'm done with the ministry, I can't take this anymore. I'm gonna finish this one hallway and that's it, I'm done, I'm going back home. So they get knocked on doors. Nobody's home. No one's listening. Everyone's rejecting him. He gets to the last door in this dirty, dingy hallway in Nuremberg, Germany, and he knocks on the door. The door opens, and this, this Muslim older gentleman opens the door. Mark, in broken Farsi and kind of broken German, tries to communicate with this guy. And the guy says, please. Come in. Last door. Mark comes in with his friend. Please. He goes back to the little curtained off section gets some tea. They begin to drink tea. For the next four hours, Mark pours his heart out about the gospel. Here's who Jesus is. Pointing. Humility. Clarity. Here's who Jesus is. Here's who Jesus is. The man sat and listened, like Basim, sat and listened, sat and listened with rapt attention. Finally, at the end of four hours, would you like to pray? Yes, please. The man prayed and received Christ as Savior. Mark's heart was leaping. They were about to leave, and the man said, wait one moment. Wait one moment. Wait one moment. True story. Wait one moment. The man walked to the back of the apartment. They came back with a, a crumpled piece of paper in his hand. And he said, when I was back in Iraq, somebody told me that I needed to follow, find out who Jesus was. And they knew I was coming to Germany. And they told me that when I come to Germany, if I can find this man, this man will tell me about Jesus. Jesus. And he handed the paper to my friend Mark. And he opened the paper up. And it was his name. Don't tell me that God's not in the soul saving business. Don't tell me that God can't use average everyday, sometimes even disappointed and disillusioned. It never works for me. People, because He can. And he wants to do that work in Moses Lake. He wants to see people come to Christ right here. And he wants to use vessels just like you and just like me. So point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. Everywhere you go, point to him humbly, with clarity. Point to him. Reach your family. Reach your circle. Reach out to them first. Show them your love. They ought to see the change in your life. Accommodate the opportunities. That watch this lastly. You've listened well. Look at verse number 44. In closing, look at number, verse number 44. Now Philip, he was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Watch this. And Philip, Philip findeth Nathaniel. Boy, you see how this thing keeps on blossoming? And Jesus reaches Philip. And now Philip, he finds Nathaniel, And saith unto him, we, we found him. He's excited. He's like the woman at the well. He's like the maniac of Gadara. He's like a a brand new Christian. Hey, we found him. We found him. Of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found the Messiah. And we know his name. We know where he's from. Verse 46. Nathanael said, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Have you ever witnessed to somebody... Been really excited? It's like, man, I got saved, and Jesus saved me, and it's awesome, you need to come, it's gonna be great. And someone looks at you and is like, really? I mean, come on. I mean, think about it. I mean, it sounds a little bit far-fetched, really. The Messiah from that little, dusty, dirty, dry village? No way. Have you ever been disappointed by trying to witness to a friend, a neighbor, a loved one, and they just kind of said, nah, not for me. You know what Philip did? He didn't get discouraged. You know what he said? He said, hey, come and see. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, listen, if you'll just meet him, if you'll just try him, if you'll just see him, just come and see. Listen, I know you're doubting. I, I, know, I know you're disillusioned. I know you might not believe this, but listen, just try it out. Hey, some of you teenagers need to call some teenager tonight. Nah, I'm not going to go to that church activity. Those no church activity. Hey, just come and see. Just come and see. That's all. Yeah, well, I, you know, just come and see. You you don't have to convince people. You don't have to win the argument. You don't have to find 10 reasons why Jesus is the Son of God. Just tell people to come and see. Jesus is more than able to work in people's hearts. Just get them under the sound of the preaching. Get them under the sound of the Word of God and see what God will do in their life. Look at verse number 45. I'm sorry, verse number 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. And saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Oh boy, I know who you are. Jesus always knows who's coming. He knew when Peter came, he knew who Philip was, he knows who Nathaniel is. Oh, Nathaniel, I've been waiting on you. By the way, when people, teenagers come to the rally tomorrow, Jesus has been waiting on them. Look at verse number 40, 48. And then Nathaniel said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How do you know me? We've never met before. Jesus answered and said to him, before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw you. What? So where was Nathaniel when Philip found him? Watch this, he was under a fig tree. Now a fig tree was a place where people would rest and the term under the fig tree back in the first century meant you were studying. So this man, Nathaniel, was reading, studying, under the fig tree. He's probably, he's probably somebody that took his studies very seriously. Yeah, how do you know that? Well, because the Bible goes on to tell us what, he's, what he was studying. Look at it, verse number uh, 49. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Hey, if you know that about me, if you can see me when you're not even by me, then you must be the son of God. Watch this, verse 50. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believest thou? Is that what made you believe? Thou shalt see greater things than these. He saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see the heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You know what Nathanael was probably reading under the fig tree? He was probably reading the story about Jacob and Jacob's ladder. And Jesus said, okay, you're astounded that I know something about you that no one else could know, that I'm the omniscient. But I'll tell you what, I'm the very person you're reading about. I am the ladder. I am the way. I am the connection between earth and heaven. Nathaniel, you have found the Messiah indeed. Okay, so what's my last point? I said, number one, hey, watch this, watch this, final exam, number one, point to Jesus. Number two, reach your circle. Who's the person closest to you that needs the gospel? Accommodate the opportunities. Don't look at that Starbucks drive through person as just somebody taking your money as someone who needs Christ. Don't look at that Walmart greeter as somebody that just has a cheesy smile, and they do have a cheesy smile, but they also need Christ. Accommodate the opportunities. Watch this. Number, number four, don't despise the hard cases. Don't despise the hard cases. You know, there's hard cases. People that at first are like, no, I don't believe. That's not for me. I, that's, I doubt it. Don't despise the hard cases. Okay? Did you invite somebody to church and they said, no, don't be discouraged? Did you invite somebody to church and tell someone about, about Jesus and they said, no, no, I don't believe all that stuff? Don't be discouraged. You know the hardest case in the entire Bible was a Middle East terrorist. Did you know there were terrorists in the Bible? A terror a Middle East terrorist by the name of Saul. Who went about killing people and imprisoning innocent people and ripping parents away from their kids. Okay? God saved a Middle East terrorist. You know who Paul was? He was like, the way we fear ISIS, the way people feared Paul. But God saved him. God can take care of the hard cases. It's just ours to tell people about Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. hope It's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.